Hey, as you guys are getting comfy in your seats, I want to ask a question this morning. It is a participatory question, all right? It's not a rhetorical, as in I ask it and you think about it. It is I ask, you respond, all right? How many of you like to be victorious? Raise your hand. You like to be victorious. You like to be victorious. How many of you like to be defeated? All right? Let me just check once again, because some of you thought there was another option, I think, so you didn't raise your hand, all right? So how many of you like to be victorious? Raise your hand. How many of you like to be defeated? One more time. Victorious? Defeated? We did something amazing today. We, across three services, all, however many of us there are here today, all unanimously agree we like to be victors, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a trick question, all right? Um, But what I want us to see, as we saw last week, we entered into a time of, in this lie versus the truth, in this moving part from the lie into the truth, we looked at two things last week, and they were these. We cannot minimalize the battle. We cannot minimalize the battle, and we cannot underestimate the enemy. But we also... Listen, this morning, this is the great news this morning. We also cannot afford to overlook the victory. After all, we are victorious people. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. We looked at verse 3 last week, a little bit of verse 4. I just want you to see the, the battle and the victory that's proclaimed in Scripture by the Apostle Paul. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against a war according to the flesh. So we're fighting something bigger, greater, stronger than what we can see. But verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You know what that means? In Jesus Christ, you are victorious. In Jesus Christ, you are victorious. We cannot overlook the victory. How many of you like to be victorious? Just checking, making sure nothing changed. How many of you like to be defeated? We'll just make sure we keep that going as we walk through this morning. I want to make sure you understand what's behind you answering that victorious versus defeated. If you are walking through the Move Journal with us, you know that this week, uh, several passages we looked at. We're out of 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 5, Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 3. Um, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, let me just introduce you. Uh, for the last couple of weeks of the series, we'll be walking through this journal called the Move Journal. Um, and in that are scriptures for you to prepare and to study and to quiet, have time with the Lord, with just you and the Lord. Maybe you use this in a group setting, I don't know, but mainly for you to spend time with the Lord to study His Word, to prepare your hearts before the Lord. And so out in the lobby, there's a, there's a handful more of these. There's also a blue piece of paper out there this morning that has the Scriptures for this upcoming week. Um, if you Also, you can grab just the blue piece of paper out there. You can grab the worship guide. They're in there as well. But these verses that you're going to see us walk through today, if you listen and if you took one of those journals and you walked through some of those for this week, you're going to go, oh, wow, I, I feel kind of prepared. Like I'm on board with with the pastor this morning. And that's on purpose. One of those passages that we looked at was found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. 
And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Listen to the magnitude of that statement. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith in and through Jesus Christ, that we'll look at in just a moment, has victory over this broken world. The word victor there, the word victory in this passage of Scripture comes from the Greek word that we get and that a gentleman uh, back in the 60s came up with a word that you thought was original, but it's not. It's the word Nike. All right? Now, in Greek, it's pronounced a little bit different, but it's spelled the same. N-I-K-E. If you've ever bought a pair of tennis shoes that has a swoosh on it, it's Nike. Right? And that word means victory. So you may not remember the sermon, but you'll look down at your shoes and go, that means victory. I got it. All right? But when you look down at your shoe and you see the word victory, and you see that, what that means in this passage is that there is a defined, successful ending to a battle. There is a defined ending to a specific battle. Victory. Now, I worked on this sermon on Thursday, finished it, uh, was ready to go before all the tournament games started happening. Okay? So, this is not dark blue favored sermon, light blue favored sermon, dark orange, red, whatever color you cheer for, don't cheer for. But here is something that I know about us as fans. You may care less about the NCAA tournament, but there's something in life that you go, man, I want to be victorious and I want to be on the winning side. And one of the things that one of our pastors here, Bob James, loves to pick on us as a staff is when we make the statement that our team won. Now, you may not think that's funny, but he thinks it's hilarious because as far as I know, nobody in this room suited up and put on tennis shoes and played basketball this weekend, but your team, our team, you weren't on the bench, you weren't in the locker room, they didn't call you to ask you for a game plan, but it is your team. You didn't go to school there, all right? I didn't either, and so I'm cheering for my team, and when they win, I am so proud to tell people about our team. And so are you, according to social media, right? We'll offend everybody, all right, for our team. Our team won the battle. Our team was victorious. But something amazing happens when we get defeated. We get really quiet. We silence it real fast. Oh, 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 I didn't mean that to be offensive. Oh, it's okay, it's all right. Yes, you did, all right? When we are loud, we said, man, that was a victorious moment. That is a moment of defeat. And the reality is, take the NCAA tournament, take any other thing in life, and we say, man, I, I want to be victorious. Now, uh, there's a side note that I included in my sermon, and I, I, I kept it in here. I prayed about it. I uh, wanted to make sure it was for, for us to keep sharing in each of our services this morning is this. This really doesn't align itself directly with the Battle Lie Move series, but when it comes to being victorious, I just I have to say this. One of the most dangerous tools that the enemy likes to use in earthly relationships is the fact that we go into earthly battles with our spouse, with our fiance, with the person we're dating, with a family member, with an extended family member, with a coworker, and we go into those physical emotional battles, and our desire most of the time is I'm going to win. 
I'm going to win this argument with my spouse. I'm going to come out looking good. I'm going to be the victor. But listen, nobody in this room raised their hand that they like to be defeated. And after a while, relationally, if there's someone in a marriage and someone in a home and someone in a relationship that continues to feel defeated, then they're just going to step out of the battle. They're going to feel deflated and dejected because nobody wants to lose. You say, but I won that argument with my spouse, and that means they lost. The goal for these earthly relationships that we'll see in other scriptures this morning is unity, is bringing together, is coming towards a decision that honors the Lord. That's greatly different than you being right, or me being right, or you being wrong, and me being wrong. We all like to be victorious. Nobody likes to lose. So when you think about earthly relationships, just... Try to keep that in your mind. Back to the scriptures for the day. The victory that John here is referring to in John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. He says, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Now, I don't think it's confusing uh, to say this idea of being born of God. I don't think that's difficult. We understand someone being born brings what? A new life. A new life, new creation, there it is, it's beautiful, it's new, it's unblemished. The same thing is true spiritually. In 1 John chapter 5, he says, For everyone who has been born of God, who has stepped into a new life, overcomes the world. You can experience victory through faith in Jesus Christ. When we start looking at lies versus the truth, We spent one week on the battle and the enemy. We're going to spend two weeks on the victory. Because I think that we are living, many of us, a defeated Christian life. That we've allowed a certain season, a certain struggle to conquer us. And we've forgotten that you can experience victory through faith in Jesus Christ. But let's be very clear that it's not of our own doing. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 5, we read verse 4. In verse 5, he goes on to say, ask this question. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? What a power-packed question. If you today in this room have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to wrestle with this in this room, on your own, as you go home. Who is it that overcomes the world except for, outside of, the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? What other way is there, is what John's asking. What other path to spiritual victory, to eternity, is there? How else do you overcome this broken world? Our victory in Jesus Christ delivers freedom. Our victory in Jesus Christ delivers freedom. Galatians chapter 1, the very first verse, the very first beginning, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, very beginning says, For freedom 
Christ has set us free. Say that with me. For freedom, Christ has set us free. One more time. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, here's what I want us to see in the, a couple of verses right before that. So we're kind of starting here, and then we're rewinding a little bit. So I want you to see a couple things in 1 John chapter 5, but I want to put the promise out there for us and the truth out there, and then we'll walk through the Scripture. And here's what I want us to, to really grab a hold of this morning. My victory in Christ delivers freedom to follow His commands. All right? Let's say this. My victory in Christ delivers freedom to follow his commands. Let's give it one more shot. My victory in Christ delivers freedom to follow his commands. Now, you may be a little half-hearted in making that statement because you're going, freedom to follow commands? I mean, commands are guidelines, are standards by which to live our lives. Freedom to follow his commands? I mean, I, I want freedom we think, to do whatever I want to do. That's not true. We're going to see that in a few moments. That, that's not freedom delivering. My victory, your victory in Christ, does something incredible. It delivers freedom for you to follow His commands. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1-3 through 3 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Listen, and His commandments are not what? Burdensome. For His commandments are not burdensome. But most of the time when we hear somebody reference commands, when we hear somebody reference rules or guidelines, we immediately go, oh, those are to prohibit me. Those are to keep me from. Those are to kill my fun times. Those are to keep me from enjoying life. Can I just tell you this morning that your victory in Jesus Christ gives you freedom to follow His commands. Not have to or must, but freedom to. Obedience is liberating. It is not burdensome. Obedience to Christ is liberating. It is not burdensome. We are free to follow His commands. If I can make sure that we just lock in for the next few minutes, I think this is, at least for me and my preparation, was an incredible reminder for me this week. So let me start here. Earlier on in 1 John, John says that God loved us first it says because god loved us first that he gave his only son for us as a payment for our sins out of thankfulness for what he's done then we love god and desire to follow his commands not apart from so because god loved us first we then have the opportunity to love god through obedience to Jesus Christ. So let me say it like this. I believe, I believe the majority of you in this room believe this as well. Not, not everyone. I believe that God loved me enough to send his son to serve as a payment for my sins. God loved me first. 
God offered Jesus Christ as a payment for my sins. I think the vast majority of us in this room would agree with that statement. I believe that Jesus Christ is dead, buried, was raised to a new life. We sang about it, your hands were up, going for it. That's what you believe. The same God, listen to me, the same God who loved you enough to offer His Son as a payment for your sins is the same God who gives us Scripture and commands to follow to live my life by. But here's what I know, and here's what I hear, and here's what I've experienced in church, personally, as a pastor, in the lives of other people. They go, man, I believe that Jesus loved me first, and I love Him because He loved me first. But man, His commands... Follow his commands, guidelines, principles, teachings. I believe a good, good father offered his son Jesus as a payment for my sins. I believe that good, good father loved me enough to give me guidelines to live by. He's the same father. He's offering you the gift of salvation, and he's offering you the gift of following him and freedom to do it. Do not rip them apart. Don't view this as a different side of God and say, oh, this is the God that just wants to keep me from enjoying life. This is the God who wants to push me away. No, this is the same God, get this, who loved you enough to serve and offer Jesus Christ as a payment for your sin. It's the same God who says, I love you enough to give you the freedom in me to follow my teaching. I was hoping for about 500 amens at this point. Because we need to see these together. We see these separated many times in our faith. We go, I love Jesus over here. But the commands and the teachings, John says they're not burdensome, church. They're not heavy. They are freeing. If God's love was gracious enough to offer me Jesus, God's love is gracious enough to offer me freedom to follow His commands. I believe that. I believe the most freeing life for me to live is in and through Jesus Christ and in and through His teaching. It is a both and, not an either or. Not out of legalism. Not out of must. But because they're not burdensome. And he desires new life, freedom, liberty, victory. How many of us like to be victorious? Either you change your mind or you decide not to raise your hand again. You're like, dude, we got it, all right? We like to be victorious. Scripture says, let me show you how. You be victorious as you commit your life to Jesus Christ and you commit to following his commands. You want to be victorious? Here it is. Love his commands my victory in christ delivers freedom to follow his commands first john 5 1 through 3 practically all of psalm 119 psalm 119 47 says this i delight in your commands which i love there's no animosity towards god in that statement there's no well, God, you're God, so i got to follow him or else you're going to smite me, statement. God, I love you because you love me first. And I will serve you and follow you obediently because you give me freedom to. 
if we can get this to click in our spirits, if we can get this to click in our hearts, this is life-changing. I promise you, this is not a pep rally from a pastor. This is life-changing victory. Over death has been defeated daily life. Doesn't mean that you're not still in the battle. Doesn't mean that tomorrow is not going to be hard. But it means I am fighting from a place of victory. And I'm going to trust the same God who offered Jesus a payment for my sins is the one who's going to equip me to live my daily life. I love his commands. I delight in your commands. I love the king who offered his son to free me. Likewise, I love the king who offered wisdom for me to step away from the pain of my sin and into daily living with him. We are set free to follow his commands. My victory in Christ delivers new desires. Also, I want us to see this morning, it delivers new desires and a new direction. Paul, the writer of Colossians, I I love this in that he's writing to the church of Colossae, not far removed from Jesus. 25, 30, maybe 40 years at the, at the longest after Jesus lived, Paul is writing to a group of believers and he's saying, hey, let me encourage you uh, to, to some things to put off. Let me encourage you some things to put on. Let me remind you of some things that you are set free from and let me remind you of the truth that you are stepping into. He says in chapter three, verse one, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. He outlines two different sets of desires. We've looked at these several years ago. We walked through Colossians. I want to show you these two sets of desires. This first set of desires, if you could just show me that list that comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 through 11. Uh, on this graphic, you just, you're going to see this list on the left. You're going to see the desires to put to death, the things that Paul says. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality. He goes through, you can go back, you're good. Sorry, I'm confusing you this morning. You can go back, to, there we go. He says, here's the things to put to death. Here's the things to step away from. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, obscene talk, do not lie. Now listen, you're going, man, that's a great list for 2019 because those are our struggles. This is the same list for people who lived 30 years after Jesus walked the earth. Immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, greed, lust, anger, they all existed in A.D., early You didn't have to wait until 2019 to step into these. But he doesn't leave us there. He said those are the things to put off. Literally changing clothes is the idea here. Taking off, putting on, put off, put on. He gives us new direction. This victory in Christ gives us. So as we move away from the lie, here's what I want us to acknowledge. If we were to be honest this morning and say, man, I am wanting to move away from the lie that I Almost all of them will be rooted in that list on the left. Maybe not immediately, but somewhere along that list we'll go, man, this is rooted in this. I want to move away from anger. I want to move away from lust. We can look at that list. I want to move away from the lie, from those desires. I want to move towards the truth. Will it be easy? No. Will it require accountability? Yes. That's one of the reasons why this year we've been asking you, prodding you, 
pushing you, shoving you into groups, into relationships, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights, Saturday mornings, whenever you can do it, because moving away from putting off and putting on will require other people to be around us. Will it cause temporary consequences? Yes, most likely. Can it afford a long-term freedom? Yes. Do you desire, you don't have to answer this time, all right? Do you desire to live in defeat? I know, universally across this room, the answer is no. Do you want to live in victory? Yes. Jesus is enough to offer us a payment for your sins? Yes. Jesus is enough to equip you to live in victory every day. It's not optional. It's not either or. Will you take eternity freedom, but not daily freedom? So we commit to move towards truths. What are those truths? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's look at these two side by side. Put off, put on. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiving one another, pursuing harmony, growing together, gathering, worship together, be thankful for one another. You know which list produces freedom? The one to the right. The world loves to pitch to us and say, the one on the left, oh man, that's the one that's going to give you freedom to do what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. Yes, but we have known, we experience that there are great consequences, there's great pain, there's great slavery to those things. But on the other side, he says, listen, I've given you victory in Jesus Christ and I have equipped you and desire to keep equipping you with new desires. If we impart these and prayerfully ask for God to fill us with these on the right, we will see a new desire, a new direction for our daily lives. And it's beautiful. It's powerful. You and I can experience victory through faith in Jesus. My victory in Christ delivers freedom to follow His commands make sure we get that this morning freedom and joy and obedience to follow his command my victory also delivers new desires and a new direction do not overlook the victory we're not finished looking at the victory because this victory came with a great price This victory came with what we sang about. The sacrifice of a loving God offering His Son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for our sins. And through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, He loved us first. 
we can love to follow his teaching in victory. We can love and pursue new desires and a new direction in victory. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. Who wants to be victorious? Who wants to live defeated? If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, can I just invite you to step into victory today? I would love to, one of the folks down front would love to talk with you about stepping into victory. But I also know there's many of us in this room as followers who, who bought into the lie that the enemy, that the battle has surrounded us with. And it's a morning by which we need to declare, I am stepping into victory. Tomorrow, I am stepping into victory. Because I want to be victorious in and through Jesus Christ.